Well, welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shannick. And I'm Corey. And we're so thankful that you're joining us today. We would love it if uh, you could just take a few seconds and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Give Do us it. a rating. Uh, also, share this with, with friends, with family. As we say every week, uh, we believe that this podcast is also a great discussion starter um, that you can have with your friends, family on a number of topics. Whoever it is, do yeah. it now. Question of the week is what do you love the most about being a dad and why? Well, here's why we're asking this question. So we're recording this a little bit early, but when this podcast is released, you will be having, uh, not you, Julia will be having we your will be having. baby. No, I don't like that, <laughs> that verbiage. The People we, so we're having offended. a baby. No, no, Julia's you're not a, both having a baby. She gets but induced get tonight at 7 p.m. There you go. And so we thought we would kind of have this question be surrounded, you know, with uh, with thoughts of fatherhood and what that has meant to both of us because we are both dads. But what do I love most about being a dad and why? Honestly, um, this is a hard question to answer. I'm just going to be honest. Maybe the hardest question that we've had. Yeah, well, I'm going to think about it. Why don't you okay. answer it for you? The, my favorite thing is that initial moment when you have space from your kids, like getting home from work and the way that my kids light up for me. I genuinely get offended when they don't now because it happens almost every time, but there'll be moments when I get home and they're busy doing stuff and I'm like, hey, where's my hug? Like get over here and shower me with affirmation and attention and physical touch. Yeah, I will say, I hope that continues for you because that used to be like a highlight of my day when I would walk in and I would hear the boys say, dad's home. Hey, Jude, dad's home. Or it was my, my Isaac, dad's home. And uh, that would just, anymore. no, I walk in and everybody's doing their thing. They're like maybe doing homework. They're not home because they're at some sport activity or practice. Um, you know, they're, they're watching TV or whatever. And they just look and make eye contact and go about their day. But I will later. say, <laughs> even though I miss that, of course, you have to have the right perspective, too, and just understanding that they have a safe environment to grow up in. And I've been thinking a lot about this since this past Sunday. We actually had a serve day at Child Place, and it's a foster care ministry in our area. We were just doing some beautification for them, mulching, planting trees, things like that. But just seeing all the kids that are there and coming home to my own kids and Man, I, I got a little emotional. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Just thinking about the environment that they have and that they've been raised in and that they're comfortable enough to come to me when there's issues. And we've talked about that before on this podcast, um, specifically with my oldest son. But so I kind of take it as a compliment now that they're just chilling. Like Good when I walk in, Cause I, I don't know pissed. if that's the right perspective to have now. I wish maybe they still did it, but. It is what it is. Um, but, man, I still don't even know how to answer that question. What do I love most about being dead? I think it changes depending on your season. It, it really does. Um, so uh, I helped Isaac with something in his car. He has this sub and, you know, bump and bass. And there was an issue with it, and it was moving around in his trunk, and it um, knocked loose one of the grounding cables. So we found it. I got it back in. And then I'm like, this is going to keep happening. So like, let me, let me go make something like, that's just who I am. Right. So I get out my saw and I got this 
two by fours and other, you know, um, different pieces of material and I'm cutting and I'm putting together and I'm screwing and I make this little platform and I stick it and it fits perfectly in this trunk. And all along, Isaac's just sitting there like watching me, like, what is going on? And I get it fitted in there. He's like, oh, oh my gosh. And I go, I'm like, okay, yeah, your dad's the man. So I'm leaving. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. I'm leaving. And he goes, dad. And I look back, he goes, thank you so much. Hmm. Like in that moment, that was so sincere because he often doesn't do that. Um, so it's probably just the the seasons. That's what I love about be, about being a dad the most. Um, not just when my boys show me appreciation, but when there's a connection and it happens at different levels and different yeah. seasons. You know, with Jude, he's not a, um, um, or he is a very like touchy, sensitive person uh, where my other boys aren't. Like Titus, I can't even hug that dude because he gets like shaky and squirmy. But man, Jude loves it. But when I, with Jude, whenever he's like feeling good or we're having a conversation or just out of nowhere, he'll come up and hug me. Man, that's amazing. With Titus, when he just wants to be with me um, or he thinks about gifts because his love language is gifts, he loves to get gifts. And so he also then loves to give gifts. Um, he kind of fishes to get him, you know, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but for him to think about what he would want to get me and he brings me these little gifts and stuff. So that's what I love most about me and a dad is that, you know, I don't know, just the seasons and experiences that you have that are all different, but are, that are also memorable. And, uh, I yeah, love that. think about them all. Yeah. About to be a new dad. Julia really challenged me around that because I don't like babies. I don't really care about the baby stage at all. It doesn't do anything for me. I don't fall in love with my kids the moment I hold them like everyone told me I would. I've dealt with a lot of counseling in that and and dealt with it. But Julia really challenged me a couple months ago to change my attitude because people were like, oh, you excited to have another baby? I'm like, no, no, I'm not actually. And if you know our story, there's a lot of reasons for why I'm not excited about this. But just even changing my attitude and getting more excited has been really helpful for me because, again, yeah, it's different seasons, different personalities. Uh, fatherhood is the best hood, and hey, so I've I've been coming like to enjoy it, especially now that my two older are almost you know seven and five. They're almost eight and six, and it's it's they're a really good season, yeah. a lot of fun. But you're not alone in that. I would say a lot of guys would say they don't really love the baby stage, just because they have to rely on you and the mom for so much. Yeah, and so um, it does take away a lot of I guess not only free time, but we have to be maybe a little bit more selfless than we would like to be. For sure. Definitely. So today we're going to talk about it's being, it's okay to not be okay. Now we've done uh, a couple episodes back in the early called goat um, and And goat ish, but we've never really talked about this idea of it's okay to not be okay. And a couple weeks ago we shared about how we've never been better. And you can check out that episode if you missed it. And that may have ministered to you, but what about our listeners whose lives are falling apart? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about how we put out that podcast and how we both said our lives right now, we're at a point where we've never been better. And we kind of shared why and what's happening in our life. And I just was thinking, and we had this conversation, what if some of our listeners were like, well, that's great for you, for you guys, but my life is literally falling apart, man. I got this chaos going on. I got this circumstance and it is like hell like I'm going through hell on earth and I might not be in a worse spot than I've been in my life than right now and so we just thought we'd share just some things along those lines how it's okay to not 
be okay and to give you permission to sit in those feelings and um, to really process through them. Yeah, for sure. I've, uh, through my counseling degree, I learned a lot about grief and I learned a lot about emotions. And I think our culture really doesn't do a great job, especially around masculinity, because we have an unhealthy view of masculinity. We have an unhealthy view towards our emotions oftentimes. And sometimes we look at our circumstances and, and we ask questions like, why do we feel like we have to be strong in this season? Or why do we feel like we can't take breaks? Or why do we get guilty when we do take breaks? Or why do we feel guilty for feeling and processing and making excuses and validating and invalidating our feelings? I know in our TLP sessions, the, uh, the counselor always talks about how you cannot answer any question with, I don't, I don't know, know, right? Because you're not allowed to invalidate your feelings. And I love that. And it's been really hard for me to validate my feelings sometimes, because sometimes when you get into those emotional aspects of life, you're like, is it okay to be feeling this way? Is it okay for me to have this negativity, this pessimism? Is, is it okay for me to tap into those inner feelings, so, so to speak, and allow myself to just go down this rabbit hole of unhealthy thinking. And we wanted to do a podcast around this idea that it is okay to do that for a season. Yeah. And we want to give you some tools on how to help in processing your emotions. Right. And some of the things that we're going to give you today, we've experienced, we've walked through, we've processed through them. I know for me personally, you know, that I went through a season probably about a year, year and a half, maybe even up to two years. I mean, <laughs> I mean, let me just keep extending it. Maybe four years mm-hmm. where I don't think I was fully okay. And as I began to embrace that, as I began to let other people in that process and my perspective and sharing it and, you know, being okay to, um, man, just let people know that I have diff- these different fears. Um, these are my feelings. And it wasn't until I started embracing all that in the last, uh, probably two years, um, that I was able to finally come out of it. So for sure. And so it's okay to not be okay. You're allowed to contemplate and change your mind about things, change your beliefs about certain things. You're allowed to leave situations you don't feel comfortable in, and you don't need to feel bad for that. You're allowed to fall apart so that maybe you can rediscover who you are. And sometimes falling apart is necessary for you to rediscover who you are. And so today we're going to talk about how to process emotions, feelings, and self-doubt. Honestly, before we give in to our system or whatever, we came up with four P's, four P's, of course, our process, Shannon, Shannon really came up with these. He, He was brilliant mind with this, but one of the things that the counselor has been really challenging me on is letting people in uh, on my process and in my process, allowing people into my emotional roller coasters and um, dealing with specifically a narcissistic wound, which is uh, a narcissistic wound is when you have a need growing up and this can happen at any time in life and that need isn't met, you start to develop um, certain unhealthy habits to get that need met and it's not healthy. And so what i found out doing in my life is I would process and then share from a state of vulnerability how I went through this process and got to the other side. And the counselor really challenged me and said, that's not really being vulnerable. Being vulnerable is allowing people in on your process while you're still struggling and don't know what you believe or feel about a certain situation. And that's really hard for me because it's really easy for me to be the vulnerable type where I show you that I I can relate to you because I've struggled with it in my past. 
but I'm learning now that vulnerability oftentimes is allowing people in on my current process as I'm still struggling and dealing with emotions and wrestling with, is it okay to feel this way? And if it's not, why? And if it is, why? And so here we go, four Ps on how to process emotions, feelings, and self-doubt. Right, number one is you have to give yourself permission to feel. Yeah. And so what we mean by that is just to give yourself permission to number one, experience feelings. I know so many, especially men, I feel like maybe we have a problem with this, but we negate emotion. We try to hide our emotion. If we get maybe in a place where we're feeling like very sensitive about something, maybe we're feeling um, like just uh, overwhelmed, and to the point where, man, what are these emotions? I feel like crying or I feel very sad or whatever. We'll sometimes just fight against that at all costs. Nope, I ain't going there. I ain't feeling that. Man, I can't cry about this. No, no way. I got to suck it up, you know, um, pull myself up by my bootstraps and I got to get to work. I got to be busy doing something. I can't just set in these feelings, but we want to give you just permission and you got to give yourself permission to actually experience those. And it could be anger. It could be some emotion that we tie a negative connotation to, but that doesn't mean those emotions are negative. They're just right triggers to letting, to let us know that there's something internal going on that we have to address that we got to get in touch with. And so one to experience it, but also give yourself permission to express. I said, I mentioned crying earlier, but it could be, you have some, uh, some emotion that you've been holding on to and you're just internalizing it and maybe you ne actually need to uh, express it mm -hmm. and whatever that looks like, whether it's verbalizing things, whether it's actually crying, if that's what it, what, what, emo what the emotion leads to. Um, but just know it's not a weakness. Yeah. So you can give you yourself permission to feel. I love that. In fact, I'll share a personal story. So because of this podcast and because of some of the things that we teach at Hill City, we've been labeled some things. Some people who don't really know us or don't even know me have said some things that have really hurt my feelings. And I found myself getting really pissed off and angry because, again, I shared in previous episodes, I'm working so hard on not having opinions of people I don't know. So I expect people to not have opinions about me if they don't know me, but that's not a reality that right. um, I can expect. Yeah. That's an entitlement and right. that's not life. So I have to deal with how I respond to people having opinions about me who don't know me. And so we're in this counseling session and I'm just pissed off getting angry and we're role playing, right? The lady here is helping me process my emotions uh, and giving me permission to feel. And at the end result of this experiment, what came out wasn't anger. It was sadness. I was hurt. My, I, I cried a lot because um, I don't like feeling like other people invalidate me or like I'm not studied on a certain topic or that I haven't thought through the arguments on both sides and process that and my conclusions, although I try not to be dogmatic, like I have conclusions based on the evidence at hand. Like th these are very thought out and conversations around theology that I've had with several trusted people to land where I land. So it's like, why are you invalidating me when I used to believe exactly like you? And, and what came out of it was man, I had to give myself permission to cry, permission to be hurt, permission to sit in those emotions. And it wasn't easy. Right. Like it was extremely vulnerable, but it, that sadness didn't just happen yeah. for that one hour meeting or that five hour yeah. meeting. That, that sadness carried into several days. Right. And I want, our, I want our listeners to hear this. Um, I was in the room when you were sharing this and processing that and letting those emotions out. 
and it was probably um, you you actually crying and getting to that point because of the emotion that actually not only drew me in but drew the entire room in and we related to you better we began to understand you better and we were able to come alongside of you I feel like in a greater capacity to love you in that moment and to help you process because you showed vulnerability and Mm -hmm. I think most people and the reason why we started with permission to feel most people hide the weakness they hide the emotion they don't want to feel and they think that um, by acting tough acting strong not getting in touch with emotion that maybe will maybe people will like them more they won't see those negative or bad parts of them or or whatever relate to them in a certain way but honestly when you actually give yourself permission to feel and start having those feelings and expressing those emotions I think it draws people in rather than pushes people away. For sure. Because crying and and feeling your emotions are not a weakness. But we, I don't know where we learn this, uh, especially in manhood. It's like we try to stuff it down. Oh, I'm fine. I'll deal with it. And it often comes out in anger. And what I've learned is anger is almost often, almost always sadness. And it's like men do a terrible job of feeling sad. So we stuff things down. And then it comes out in anger and our loved ones are affected by that. And so you're never really processing. And so I would actually argue the exact opposite that trying to pull yourself together when you need to have those moments to feel is weakness because you're not allowing yourself to grow. You're not giving yourself the strengths to process right. through your emotions to get to a healthy place so that you're not affecting your loved ones negatively. Yeah, I love that. So actually what people think is a strength is actually their weakness, weakness. for yeah. sure. All right, what's number two? Number two is pry the why, and this is great. So again, I I just got my master's in counseling, and I started to I'm starting to counsel some people, and I have one specific client that I've been taking him through this pry the why, and it has been one of the greatest ministry experiences in my life over the last five weeks to have him last week come in and say, I figured out why I go to such a deep and dark place. And it was like allowing him, giving him permission to feel. And again, this wasn't like a moment. These were weeks of why do I feel depressed? Why do I feel angry? Why do I feel hurt? Where is all this stuff? But you'll never be able to pry that why if you don't give yourself first the permission to feel. But then, because we talk about this often as feelings aren't facts. And I think we'll talk about that in in a moment. So you have to ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? And why is this situation affecting me the way that it is? Right, whether it's, whatever, whatever emotion, mm-hmm. it could even be a, what we would say would be a positive emotion sure. like joy. Well, why are you feeling joy when this happens in your life? And when that doesn't happen, you instantly, you know, get into sadness or, sure. or whatever the case may be. I'm just throwing out just random examples, but you really have to pry and do the work. And this is like, you, I love that you said that it doesn't sometimes happen in a moment. Now, finally, you can get clarity in a moment, but it's from spending time and investing into, you know, figuring out the why. Mm-hmm. Why are you feeling this? Why does it trigger that? Why is this what you're you're thinking about when this happens? And, you know, sometimes it takes work. It, it takes really a lot does. of work. And this, a lot is why, of work. <laughs> this is why people don't want to do this is yeah. because, and he told me, he said this, he said, man, the last four weeks have been one of the hardest four weeks of my life. And this is a guy that, that struggled with depression and suicide. And he said, these four weeks of dealing with these emotional aspects of him have been the hardest out of all of that. And he said, but today, being able to answer the why, I've never felt more free. And those were the exact words he used. And I remember, look, I'm getting goosebumps right now, like thinking, oh my gosh, like this is 
this is the purpose. This is yeah. the reason why. But so many people don't want to give themselves permission to feel and pry the why because of how much work it takes. Yeah. And sometimes you get in touch with um, things that have happened maybe from childhood sure. or traumas. in your adolescence yeah. that have been traumas in your life. And it is hard to face some of those things again. It's hard to think about them. And it's time to, it's hard to spend a lot of time processing um, and getting in touch with those again. And so some of those things we've tried to just bury and remove and never think about again, um, but they come out negatively yeah. throughout our life. And sometimes without us realizing that it's tied to that trauma or whatever Fact. might have happened. And so um, sometimes it would then get maybe a little worse it, it as does. you're getting in touch with this. And you, as you remember certain things and recall certain things as you pry the why, and like we said, yeah. it, it does take work. You never get healed if you keep sweeping issues under the rug. You're, it's a fake strength. It's not even real strength. Yeah. It's, you're creating more chaos, and you never actually get to overcome your traumas. And we all have traumas, and they're all different. And you'll never get to overcome your traumas and become an emotional, healthy person by sweeping them under the rug. Yeah, I think maybe you can help me with this. It was something I feel like you said. Maybe you didn't. But it was something like healing only takes place when things are brought to light. Or when their light shines on something, sure, you something know, like and I don't know. I just thought you might be able to no, uh, I don't grab that off the top of your head. That's okay. You said it in a message one day. I pay attention. Oh, hey, I promise. Um, <laughs> I, I do say stuff like around this idea that like I don't believe anybody's broken. I believe that um, brokenness comes from traumas, and when you have traumas that aren't dealt with in your life, you create this facade that you're a broken person. But Christ calls you whole. And so brokenness isn't your truth. Wholeness is now there's things that make you feel broken, but again, your feelings aren't always facts. And some of the things that you feel broken around are just traumas that you experienced. Maybe you were abused in some type of way and abuse looks like a plethora of things. But if, if you never tune in to um, begin to tackle those experiences as painful as they may be, you'll never actually be able to overcome them and you'll always be triggered by certain events that take you to a really low and dark place. So, yeah. And I love that you said feelings aren't fact really that leads us in exactly what you just said into our third way to process emotions, feelings, and self doubt. And that is just to periscope your perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of put it this way because if you think about a submarine, it's submerged underwater and to be able to see sometimes where you're going or what's, uh, on land ahead or whatever, you put up a periscope right out of the water to gain a different perspective um, from being submerged. And I think that's the perfect analogy to, to think about sometimes people sitting in their emotions. Again, it's okay to sit there. It's okay to feel them. But then as you pry the why, sometimes you have to periscope your perspective. You have to get out of your feelings to be able to pry, pry the why. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, and I got a picture of this um, hanging in my office and I, I preached a sermon and I, it wasn't a thing unique to me. I actually got it from, uh, Craig Rochelle. I saw him do this on stage one day and I just, I, I'll never forget it, but he had this painting and it was like, um, a tropical scene. And on one side it's storm. And on another side, it's like this Island sun, palm trees. And he had this like magnifying glass and he says, you get to choose what your perspective is or what you're going to focus on. Hmm. And, this, you know, the, the mic, the magnifying glass was, can be on the storm and the wind and the waves, or he kind of moved it, you know, like 10 or 12 inches over to the left. And it was on the sun and palm trees and like a bird flying mm -hmm. and a sunset and beautiful. And so I had this picture hanging in my office that I had, um, uh, 
I think someone, it was Stone yeah, Cipher. yeah, Abby, uh, paint for me, and it depicts this very thing. So it's just constant reminder. I get to choose my perspective yep. and how I'm going to see something. And that's what we mean by periscope, your yeah. perspective. You have to begin to start speaking truth over your reality. Again, we, we've said it multiple times, your feelings aren't facts. And oftentimes feelings are temporary. And so your feelings aren't necessarily like they're true to your reality, but they're not necessarily true of who you are or how you can become. And yeah. so Honestly, we really have to get a different perspective. And yeah. this leads into the last, last one. Because sometimes we need help getting that perspective. Sometimes so you need ahead. help. And so the fourth one is paint with people. And I love I love this illustration because um, we've done a lot of painting projects together. And you would think that two people would do twice as much work as one person yeah. while painting. We'll but get the job done twice as fast. Twice as fast, but that's not true. Actually, statistically, they show you that it's up to four or five times faster. Yeah. Just the power of two. I mean, think about how you make a bed. I know Reggie always uses that illustration is make a bed. One person making a bed, it takes forever, but two people, it's like done like that. Yeah. And so what we mean by paint with people is get perspectives from other people. And again, this isn't just everybody. You shouldn't be airing out your laundry with everybody. These are safe, trusted people that you believe in, that they believe in you, that you know that they have your best interests, that they're not going to be offering terrible advice. But you have to get people in your corner to help you paint your perspective, especially when uh, you're feeling a specific way. And again, this will require vulnerability. And you'll have to get real. But I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this, to begin to be the person that gets vulnerable with your group of friends and allow those conversations to go deeper than just the surface conversations that we tend to have with our friendships. Yeah. And so I think for me, how I'd like to close out this is just to challenge you to actually start being vulnerable and let someone in on your process and how you're not doing okay. I know so many people who would tell me that they're not okay right now, but the problem is they're also okay to be stuck in not being okay. Yeah. And they don't want to come out and you try to offer any perspective, any advice to come alongside them in any way. And they really don't want to put in the work and they don't want health for some reason or to get healing in an area. They want to stay stuck for whatever reason, whether it's because it's easier to stay stuck, honestly. Yeah. You and think I, it's not, but it is easier because what's hard is doing the hard work to get unstuck. Yeah. Cause, and I know some of those people that they have just chosen to stay stuck all of their life in this state of not being okay. And I think that's not okay. Yeah. So, so reach out, get help. Remember, here's the four P's. Give yourself permission to feel, pry the why, periscope your perspective, and paint with people. Yeah, and hopefully that was helpful or encouraging to you. It is okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. It's time to do some work. And as always, you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it.